Well, many months ago, we started in the book of Ephesians, and God had it designed so that the last two weeks we've been talking about families, and today on Father's Day, we're going to be talking about husbands. I don't think it's any accident. In fact, I know it's not. And with all that we're faced with today in this world as a Christian, if you are at all paying attention the world that we live in has went completely out of their minds. Everything that was our basic beliefs are questioned and shaken right now. And we say it's so overwhelming, what do we do as, as men and women? I mean, what, what can I do? How can I change things? I think the very basic thing we could do is go back to basics. Be the person that God called us to be. Engage ourselves in training and praying and being with our families. Because God always works from the inside out, not from the outside in. Our influence, our best influence can be in prayer and in action. What we can do to influence the people that we come in contact with every day. And more and more the world is looking for substance and they're looking for an answer. Nobody's been able to answer them. I mean, for Pete's sakes, now we're tearing down statues. I mean, how insecure do you need to be to tear down a statue of somebody that lived 400 years ago? How is that affecting your life right now? Come on, someone. Just that. I mean, now we have the Supreme Court passing laws that are going to invade our lives here very soon if it it hasn't already. So we live in a world that is changing by the minute. Almost every minute you've got something going on that's new and God never changes. And when He created this earth, He created man and woman, He created us, the nucleus of everything that goes on is in an individual from the inside out. So how can we influence that? And I believe Scripture speaks to that, and we're going to talk about that this morning. So if you'll pray with me. Father, thank You for Your Word this morning. Thank You, God, that You have in mind success and victory for Your church. And Lord, it starts with us. Lord, I thank You, Father, that although we can't control what's going on in the world right now, and most of us don't even want to try, Father, it's so out of whack. But God, you are not distressed. You are not uh, concerned, Father, because you know exactly what's going to happen. Lord, help us as we endeavor to be like you called us to be. Father, what we can do, what's right in front of us to do, is to engage ourselves in conducting ourselves as Christians, as your sons and daughters, men and women that please you and reflect you. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Lori and Bill, are they here this morning, Lori and Bill? They're not here this morning. Lori's here. Lori's here. Lori got me this. Now, she hasn't been around that long to realize I don't really sit still anywhere, but I'm going to give it a try today. Um, I usually move around. But this is a little seat that uh, you get to sit on. You can float around. So we'll see how that works this morning. Ephesians chapter 5 this morning, Ephesians 5 and beginning in verse 25, 
We're going to talk about the man's role in a marriage. You say, well, this is Father's Day. Well, listen, if you got your marriage right, your family will fall in the line. Turn to somebody and say, he's talking to you. If you get your marriage right, your children will fall in the line. Marriage has always reflected the relationship between Christ and His beloved church. It's always been that way. The only example that we have of Christ and His church is a man and his bride. It's a powerful image and one that is the seedbed of societal stability. If you want society to be stable, you minister to the family. If you want society to be stable, you have a loving husband and a loving wife and obedient children. And if that can capitulate into being family after family after family, you build a solid community. And if a solid community is built, you build a solid area. And if you can build a solid area, you've got a solid nation. We want to extrapolate. We want to make big changes in government. We want to make big changes in areas that trickle down and have a negative effect on the family when God said He began with family. He created Adam and Eve. If He thought it necessary to create large amounts of people, He would have created thousands and millions of people all at once. He started with one man and one woman. Genesis says, A man shall leave his father and his mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Then He told them to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. How many know from that came all of the seven and a half billion people that are on this globe right now? God started with two. So Bible says in verse 25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Christ's intention, God's intention when he created us was to equip the church for victory. He paid the required price for victory And he gave his bride, the church, everything she needed for that victory. Husbands are to do the same thing for their wives. Give them everything necessary, equip them so that they can be the woman God called them to be. Right away you can hear women say, I don't need anybody's help. Yes, you do. And men, we need more help than the women do. That's why God designed a woman and a man to live together. But Christ gave himself for the church. You and I are to give ourselves, men, are to give ourselves for our wives. We are called to pledge our lives because of what Christ did. If you spend any time in prayer at all, you realize how much God puts up with when he deals with us. If I were God, I'd have gave up on me a long time ago. Come on, somebody. But when you look at what Christ did, He gave up His position in heaven. He was perfectly fine being Jesus in heaven. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But He gave up that position and came down and gave His life so that we could live. He didn't need to. He decided to. His purpose was to come and rescue us. We men are to do the same for our wives. We're to lay down our lives for our wives. 
Oh, we make jokes about it all the time. Happy wife, happy life. Now, how many times I've heard that? I say that all the time myself. But how many know God's called us as men, as fathers, to set the example and the pace for the family? It's not always an easy job. Women, if you have to admit, you sometimes are hard to live with. Nobody threw anything, so it must be telling the truth. Want somebody. Sometimes I can't figure out the mood of my wife. And I think all women go to some kind of secret class while we're sleeping and learn how to just perplex us. Are you mad? Are you sad? Are you happy? What's going on? Come on, somebody. We men are even more difficult. We're to do the same as Christ, this example that He said, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for her. So that's the example that God sets. We're to give our lives, we're to give our purpose, we're to give our energies, we're to give our attention to our wives. You say, well, I get, what do I get out of this? Man, you get, whoo, come on. If you love your wife as Christ loved the church, your wife will love you. Oh, it may take a while. You may have to work through some difficulties. The act of contrition in service, husbands, is what we are called to do. Our wants, men, must never exceed her needs. And that's where we get into problems. We all have, you know, men's toys and men's times and the man cave. and You don't have to worry about football anymore because footballs went to the dogs. Don't watch football. I never watch another NFL game as long as I live. That's just me. If you want to know why, I'll tell you that later. Verse 26 says that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Why did God give himself for the church? that he might present her, cleanse her, and sanctify her. Sanctify means to set apart. The church receives the best of Christ. We are set apart unto him. We hear from him. When we pray and we wait for an answer, he answers us. Listen, wives need to expect and receive the best from their husbands. Many times men are shut up inside themselves. They don't say much. They don't talk much. Oh, I don't know what kind of moods he in. He never says much to me. I've been working all day. I need time to myself. No, you've been working all day. You need to pay attention to your wife. Quiet in here. Look at the example that Scripture sets. Why did he give himself for her? To sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. Wives need to expect and receive. Cleansing is to free from defilement of sin and faults, to communicate. Cleansing, to communicate. Isn't that interesting? The love and attention that you give to your wife at any point in your marriage will unlock her potential. Well, you say, I've been married 10 years. Let me try to sit here. See if this works. Use this birthday gift. I don't know how long it's going to work, but... The love and attention that you give your wife at any point in your marriage will unlock her potential. It doesn't matter when you try, when you pay attention to your wife and your husband, but any attention that you draw to that will improve your position. 
when Terry and I were first married, we uh, homeschooled our kids uh, for the first five years of education. And so there's a point where we lived up in New York, and uh, when you live in New York, you have to have a dual income or you're not going to make it. Both men and women have to work, and so Terry looked for work outside the house, and and uh, she was rather, uh, she'll tell you, she was rather all to herself, really didn't know how to function socially because she had been concentrating on raising the children. One of the most wonderful transformations took place when I began to share household responsibilities with her because she had to work, and we both uh, instructed our children. We both had to work all day, five days a week. On the weekends, we spent time with the kids. What a wonderful transformation took place in Terry Smell. All of the things that were locked up in her that she wasn't able to function in because she just had the family was just a wonderful thing. And so there have been stages in our life where that's happening, and I encourage that with you. You know, gender roles have been skewered and misunderstood. Maybe not so much anymore, but we have what's men's work and women's work. Anybody familiar with that term? I don't want to do that. That's women's work. Quiet in here. You know, sharing responsibilities in the house is part of the loving and caring for one another. Verse 27 says that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. What was the reason that Christ gave himself for the church? There was an end point. There was a purpose for him doing that. Here it's spelled out pretty clearly that he might present her to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blame. What you deposit in your wife, you will receive back to you. If you deposit just the miminal, you'll get the miminal in return. If you deposit the best that you have, you'll get the best in return. What you put in, you'll get out. Present her to yourself. Shoulder the responsibility to be the man that prays with his wife, to be the man that compliments his wife, to be the man that understands his wife and works at understanding her and you'll get the same back to you. I told this story last week about preaching to my wife out of Psalm 31. When we were first saved, I must have read that to her at least once a week. This is the woman of God you're called to be. And then God began to deal with me. You be the man of God you're called to be and she'll be the woman of God she's called to be. That's just the way it works. After all, Christ's righteousness dwells in us. Righteousness is no good if it just dwells in Christ. He's already righteous. He doesn't need to be righteous. He's an embodiment of righteousness. But His righteousness dwells in us. So we'll know how to treat our wives. So they'll know how to treat us. Romans 3.22 says, Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. We understand that there are roles that we are to fulfill as Christians, but many times we say, how do we do that? How do I be a good man of God? How do I be a Christian man? How do I be a Christian woman? How do I live 
the example before my kids and before my community and at my job and all of that. How do I do that? You have within you deposited, if you're a Christian this morning, you have the righteousness of Christ that dwells in you and will show you how to treat your wife, will show you how to treat your husband. He's presenting her to himself without spot or blemish, without spot or wrinkle. God is perfecting each of us, and the process is ceaseless. God is working in us. Even now, Holy Spirit is speaking to us. What adjustments can I make to match up to what this Word of God says about me? And God will give you the answers. God will give you the answers. It's time that you need to spend in His presence. But how we treat our wives, gentlemen, will dictate the process of presenting her to yourself without spot, without wrinkle. Years ago, when I was first saved, I went to a men's uh, men's weekend with a man named Edwin Lewis Cole. If you can get any books by Edwin Lewis Cole, look it up on Google. He, he wrote a book called Maximize Manhood. I highly recommend the book to you. Highly recommend the book to you. It's 30 years old, but it is relevant to today. How do I treat my wife? How do I pray for my wife? He spells it out in a very good way in that book. But I went to this thing, and I'd just been saved not long, and he made this statement, and I got to tell you, I wanted to charge the platform and punch him right in the nose. Here's what he said. 99% of the problems in your marriage are your fault. What he said to the men there was an all-men's conference. He wasn't talking to women. He said, 99% of the problems in your marriage are your fault. I said, what train did you get off of, buddy? And then he spent the next two or three hours explaining it, and I had to agree with him. Men dictate, usually, not all the time, there's always exceptions, but the temperature and the atmosphere of the home is dictated by the man. You set yourself in order and things will come. It might not happen overnight. But it will happen. It will come together. Holy and without blemish. Let's look at a couple scriptures that talk about that because the example is the church. That he might present the church to himself, a bride without spot or wrinkle, holy and without blemish. Verse 27, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle. Ephesians 1.4 says, just as He chose us in Him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. If He can present us to Him without blame and holy, that's how He wants our wives to be. And He gives us responsibility to do so. You say, that's a high calling. You better believe it. Every man is a pastor. Every man is the pastor of his home. We talk about having pastors. I understand that. I've been a pastor 30-some years. I've said this many times, but the greatest day of my life was when my wife came and said, you're my pastor. And I wasn't pastoring at the time. You are the pastor of your home. And you could present your wife to God, holy and without blame. Colossians 1.22 says, In the body of his flesh, 
through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in His sight. Holy is hagios, physically pure and morally blameless. Blameless is ble- it means blemish, without blemish. Amamos, without spot and faultless. The process of Him presenting us to Himself without spot, without wrinkle, our wives are being ministered through us. They're being ministered to. How are we ministered to? Before Christ. And here's the caveat. Our wives minister us just as much. But we'll never know that process if we don't take time and spend it with our wives. How many times I've talked to couples that say we never pray together. We don't have worship together. We don't read the scriptures together. My question is, how can you build a relationship without those things? Those are foundational. Those are foundational to a wonderful marriage. Is it applying yourself? Yes. Is it saying no to other things? Most certainly yes. It has to be. But what you get out of it will be tremendous if you'll put these things in it. Your wife is to be presented to Christ without you being an obstacle. Instead of assisting her to achieve the goals Christ desires, don't be an obstacle. Give to her what she needs as a covering for her, as a blessing for her. Take time and pray. It doesn't have to be hours a day. You'd be surprised what a five-minute prayer together will do for your day, what it will do for your relationship. The greatest things you kids will see as you praying together. The greatest things your children will see is mom and dad are praying and asking God to bless. Come on, somebody. Verse 28 said, So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one, verse 29, ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. There's the example again, just as. Here's where it gets sticky, gentlemen. Take care of your body. It's the only one you get. As of late, that has become so real to me. I'll be dual sixes tomorrow. Sixth time in my life that happened. One, one, two, two, three, three, four, four, five, five, six, six tomorrow. Six, six. And I want my body to last until seven, seven, eight, eight, nine, nine. Just a word for you individually. Take care of your body. It's work, but it's pleasurable. Enough said about that. But you're to love your wife. As you love yourself. If you've got problems with yourself, you're not going to be able to love your wife. Let God deal with what is bothering you. If there's something that's hung over for years, let God deal with it. If there's something that you need to confess before the Father, get get with a brother, get with somebody. Say, man, I need to straighten this out because it's affecting my marriage. It's affecting my family. Get it taken care of. Just practically say, God, heal me and take care of me so I can be in love with what you made me to be. Self-love is very important. Of course, that can be carried to the extreme like everything else. Loving ourselves is so very important. Love your wife as you love yourself. To nourish and to cherish her. 
The great gift of life includes her. Stop and think, where would you be without your wife? I mean, a very practical side of that is most of us wouldn't even be here because we couldn't find our car keys to get here. <laughs> Honey, what do I do with my car keys? I don't know how you women do it. I seriously don't. Just something random. Honey, do you know where I put my pocket knife? Yeah, it's in the third drawer up on the dresser, left side. And I go up there and open the drawer, and there it is. How does she do that? Men do the same thing. Your wife would say, you know, it's like she, she's able to see everywhere in the house. Yeah, it's up there. I don't know how that happens. To advance in God. And that's what we're all supposed to be doing is advancing in God. To advance in God is to maintain and enhance the relationship with your wife. Be surprised how easy you begin to hear with God. Hear God when you're praying with your wife, when your wife is satisfied and blessed because you've taken time and care to care for her to make make sure she's okay. I've said it before, if you want a queen, if you want to be king in your house, make her the queen. The ultimate example, think about it, the ultimate example, again, it says, as the Lord does the church, nourishes and cherishes. What other comparison do we have? How can any of us complain and say, Jesus, you've missed it? How many can actually get on their knees and say, God, you really miss it. You're really not ministering to me. You're falling short of my expectations. Come on, someone. We take the time. God has done that. God has ministered to us. He's faithful. We wake up, He's there. We pray, He answers. How do you stack up with that comparison, men? I won't look for a show of hands. How do you stack up ministering to your wife? Christ loves the church, gave Himself for her. Are we doing the same for our wives? That's a challenge. And you say, well, I'm, I, my record has been so no, no good. I love time. I love time. People are against, I love time because time means I don't have to go back. Right here is what happened two minutes ago. I can't step back and do it again. Time keeps moving forward. So you say, how do I rectify? How do I get this right? Just start right now. Can can I get, can I get a little invasive here just for a minute? Most of the problems that we have in, in, in marriage Involves communication. We let it build up. We all have a vocabulary in a library that we uh, go back to whenever we get in arguments. We just spout off. We wait till the other person stops. Mouth stops. And then we get our library book and throw it at them. They get their library book and throw it at us. Listen, we need to stop right now and say, everything that happened before, I forgive. It doesn't matter how bad it was, I forgive. Let's go from this point forward. Because we can't get yesterday back. And there's nobody smart enough to know what happened six months ago. You are not that smart. You remember how it defends you. You don't remember how it defends him. You were always the right one six months ago. I'm talking to the right people. I can see it in your eyes. Forget what happened six months ago. You can't get it back. 
Oh, you always, or you, you, this is the same thing you did last year. You did the same thing. I can't believe this. It doesn't matter what happened last year. It matters what happens this going forward. The greatest moment in our lives of fighting was when my wife and I made a commitment to not drag yesterday's argument into today's disagreement. To not drag yesterday's argument into today's disagreement. We just don't do it. And when anybody starts to do that, it's we cry foul. Let's deal with the problem right now. And the thing is, if you'll take your problem that you're having and set it in between you and say, this is the problem that we're having. It's not my fault. It's not your fault. It's a problem. Let's deal with it. How are we going to get rid of the problem? I'm preaching to you. Because what it does is it takes all the person, personal thing out of it. This is the problem. And if we recognize we have an enemy of marriage, and that's the devil, he's going to try to do everything he can to directly nullify all the promises you made one another. He's going to do everything. He's going to come in the side. He's going to come in the back. He's going to come in. He's deceiver and he'll deceive you into saying, your enemy is sitting right there. No, it's not your enemy. You're one with them. You love them just as you love your own body. Come on, somebody. He'll say, okay, take care of the problem and the problem's solved. It might take... When my wife and I started to do this, sometimes we'd be out up till... She, you, you ask my wife. Three o'clock in the morning. We're not going to sleep till we get this settled. Me. Because I'm a bit stubborn. I'm telling you, it works. But we don't take it personally. See, we don't take these things. We don't drag yesterday into today. Yesterday can't be gotten back. If we made a mistake, be humble enough to say, please forgive me, let's move forward. We are members of His body. Verse 30 says, For we are members of His body, of His flesh, and of His bones. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Our wives are one with us. That's a direct quote from Genesis 2.23. Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. In every sense, you are one, gentlemen, with your wife. It's a direct connection with creation. It's a direct quote from Genesis chapter 2. It's where God created man out of the dust of the earth, and God created woman out of man. We're one. We're one with our wives. It really does happen when you make covenant with your wife, when you stood at that altar or stood in front of the testament, wherever you go, you said, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor. When you left her, heaven recognized you as coming as two and leaving as one. God made you one. And that's what the scripture says. Anybody that you, that you find, listen, anybody that you find beating on themselves, you're going to get them medical help. Find somebody, you know, cutting themselves or beating on themselves. No man ever destroyed himself. Your wife is one with you. And when we don't take the time, when we don't build that into our relationship, it's like hurting ourselves. We duplicate what was initiated when he made man from the dust 
and woman from the man. We duplicate it. Verse 32 says, This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Four times now, Lori. Four times now. I tried. I'm going to give it a shot here. Christ gave us life. There's no other example. New life he, he sacrificed to create. Our sacrifice will do the same. If we sacrifice and pour into our relationship, it will be the most life-changing thing outside of your commitment that you made to Christ. Your commitment that you made to Christ was the most important thing you'll ever do. But now your commitment to your marriage will be secondly important. The second most important thing you'll ever do. Does it take work? Most certainly. Does it take humility? More than you'll ever imagine. Does it take reflecting what Christ does for you? Because I never came to Jesus when He dug up an old sin. I never came to Jesus when He said, I don't want to talk to you right now. I want to talk about that thing you did three years ago. Let's sit and talk about the sin you did last week. He doesn't do that. Yeah, I repented of that sin. Listen, do not drag yesterday into today. Do not do it. It might take you this afternoon getting alone with your wife, wife getting alone with a husband and say, man, let's take care of this. Let's get holy. Let's get righteous in our relationship. I want that flame to, to uh, come again. The one I fell in love with you about. Let's, let's renew that commitment. Let's renew that covenant. And God will honor it. God will honor it. A benchmark in any marriage is this revelation. When you implement it, it will cause your marriage to win. It's the relationship of Christ in the church. Christ does not have a chip on His shoulder concerning you this morning. He does not have a chip on His shoulder concerning the church. He loves the church and gave Himself for her. He's not upset with you. And verse 33 is really where he begins to step on toes. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular, underline if you can, if you can't underline in your Bible, give it to somebody and underline in theirs. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and the wife see that she respects her husband. This gets personal. We can't slough it off on somebody else. Well, somebody else have a good marriage and we'll just live in the light of that. Nope, this is an individual thing. It's an individual thing for you to take care of. You in particular, so love your own wife as yourself. No excuse will suffice. Oh, she always wants to run things. She doesn't respect me. I need my space. What'd you get married for if you need your space? Come on, somebody. Hello. I work hard and I need my time. What'd you get married for then? And your ladies, I'll pick on you a little bit. He never notices me. He isn't like he was when I married him. Is it anybody but me that are aware that things change as you get older? Come on, somebody. 
I'm not the same man my wife married 43 years ago. She's not the same woman I married. Life brings changes. What's that? What's that? (laughs) I'm not going to repeat that for the tape. Everybody hear that? You can ask him later about that. I can. He doesn't notice me anymore. We don't do the same things we used to do. Well, go do them. Make arrangements. What's worth more than your relationship? Who wants to be miserable? Man, I absolutely, I'm fascinated by my wife. I can't wait till she comes home at night, till I get at home. She asked me to do something, man, I'm, I'm there. It works if you work it. Not something that's theory. This is a fact, Jack. When I first got married and we started having kids, I really liked sports a lot. I was a sports husband, father. It didn't matter what sport. It was basketball, it was baseball, it was football, it was softball, it was golf. I was watching it on TV. Yeah, I played church softball and did all that. But man, when the sports was on, I was watching TV. And and, uh, I didn't really see it as a problem. But it was a problem. My children began to see it. My wife began to see it. And I gave up football, basketball, baseball, softball. Once in a while we'd said, I didn't give it up altogether. I mean, after all, Monday night football, come on. What you give up to put in to your wife will be the greatest thing you've ever done. What you give up to put into your family will be the greatest thing you've ever done. Love your wife, reverence your husband. Ladies and gentlemen, that is victory in the kingdom. Love your wife, love your husband. If we see that take off, we'll see a change in a nation. Just if we brought the divorce rate down, would you see a change in a name? You talk about stability. Come on, somebody. Can that happen? Of course it can happen. Of course it can. The scriptures are very clear. If you'll do this, you'll get that. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husband. Love your husband. Rebuilding, renewing, reinitiating. If we'll just draw attention to that, it doesn't cost anything. It doesn't cost any money. There's no books you have to go buy. You already got the Bible. You've got the greatest counselor in the world, the Holy Ghost living in you. You don't have to buy books and tapes. And I mean, if that's the way you want to go and you both agree, I can't tell you what to do, but I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost inside of you will change you if you just listen to Him. That's all. It just takes a listening ear. How much money does it cost? Butkus. It doesn't cost anything. So I have a list of suggestions underneath, and I'll shut my mouth for today. Let you go have Father's Day uh, cookout. Do an evaluation together. Sit down and evaluate things. Say, well, that's rather awkward. I don't know if I can really be honest enough. Yes, you can. Sit down and do an evaluation. I looked online. There are several evaluations that you can do. Just put Christian marriage evaluations. There are several that are free. You can just get on 
If you're not sure what questions to ask one another, that will assist you and help you a little bit. But usually it's just sitting down toe-to-toe, knee-to-knee, and just saying, okay, let's talk this thing out. What wrinkles do we have in our relationship that we can iron out together? I don't care how long you've been married. You say, well, young man, we've been married 50 years. Well, so you could still renew your marriage. Secondly, speak in the presence of God in prayer. It's really hard to be macho when you're in the presence of God. When you're praying, it's really hard to be a tough guy. You bear your soul in front of your wife. It'll change. It'll change the way you minister to her, the way she looks at you. God will never do anything to hurt you. It may embarrass you, but that's okay. You'll get over it. Number three, accept criticism and be ready to ask forgiveness. I said the way that my wife approached me, when, because when I got saved, man, I was a bull in a china shop. Things are going to be my way or the highway. And so she found a way. She prayed. And she shared that with me over the years. She didn't know how to approach me because if she approached me just flat out, man, we'd have a... Listen, woman, I told you to do this. And I'd pull out Psalm 31 again. This is the way a woman should be. I don't want to hear anything else. What she started to do is ask questions. She'd say, honey, did you ever think of it this way? And then she'd leave. She'd turn around and walk away. Did I ever think of it that way? What's she talking about? Then the Holy Spirit would write in on that. I started to think, well, you know, I'm being a horse's butt. I got to a place where I went and asked forgiveness. Honey, how can I work this out? I'm sorry, I'm blind to this. She said, well, the first thing you can do is stop reading Psalm 31. I think I got it. One of the biggest things in marriage, in all seriousness, is recognizing the difference between perception and reality. It's one of the biggest things. Ask before you speak. The best way to do is, if what I hear you saying is, listen, whenever you, whenever you know you're going to get into a fight, truncate that thing, cut that thing off, cut the enemy off by repeating what that person said. If I hear you right, this is what you're saying. Nine times out of ten, when you're in a heat, you get ready to get in a heat, your wife says, that's not what I said at all. Your perception is what she said. Because the enemy will tweak what's coming out of her mouth. By the time it reaches your ear, you're hearing something else. Trust me, I know what I'm talking about. So repeat it. Take the time to say, honey, if what I hear you saying, or if you can't say honey, what I hear you saying is this. And I say, yep, that's what I said, or no, I didn't. That will cut off a lot. Take the time to repeat to each other. Because listening, everybody hears, but few people listen. Listening is a learned habit. Listen to what the other person is saying. Recognize the difference between what you perceive and what really is happening. And lastly, be willing to spend time together. I say this all the time and people laugh at me, but my wife and I still have date night. We've been childless for, you know, empty nest for, gosh, 25 years. We still have date night. We still leave the house. We still go somewhere. 
We're taking adventures, doing trails now all over. We were just out with Tippy. There was a nice trail out there, and we just go out and walk and talk and spend time and you know, shut the phones off and all of that. Take time together, and it will be the greatest deposit you'll ever make in your life outside of your relationship with Christ. Amen. Now preach back to me. What's God saying to you this morning? What's Holy Spirit saying about marriage to you? Or pops? Yes. Speak up. Have you ever done that? Get up off your knee. Anyone else? What's God saying? What's God saying to you? Today's a new day. If anybody get, can get yesterday back, would you please come and tell me how? I'll be glad to spend time with you. That's true. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Yeah. I could say something, but I won't. I was going to say, if you want to be humbled today, wait till nobody's around and look yourself in the mirror before you get in the shower. That will make you humble. Happy. That's right. Yeah. Happy Father's Day to you guys. Praying for you. Uh, what a wonderful time in Ephesians that we're having. And if you'll take some time and address these things to your family, it'll be the best thing you ever did. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. And Lord, we live in a crazy world. We live in a world that's always changing. But God, we thank you that you never change, that you love us. And God, that you'll give us the, the uh, knowledge and the ability to obey you, to reflect your glory in our lives and our families. Father, I thank you for each and every one. I ask blessings upon them. You keep them safe and bless them according to your loving kindness and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, before you leave, I'm sorry I forgot to announce there's no Wednesday nights from now until August 5th. The next Wednesday night we'll have is August 5th, taking the month of July off and this next Wednesday, Wednesday as well. For the next six weeks, we'll have Wednesday nights. God bless you. I'll see you next Sunday.